Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Tiger Talk. I'm your host, Taylor Davis, joined by Jason Campbell, here to talk all things Auburn for you this week. We're going to touch base a little bit about what's going on with this football program, recap the pro day and the NFL combine, and of course, talk a little basketball as the SEC tournament is happening this week. So we'll have a well-rounded episode for you, and then we have another awesome guest joining us at the end, talk a little bit about his playing days down on the Plains and in the NFL. We've got former linebacker Dontarius Thomas, who is going to be joining us. So you want to stay tuned for that interview. Jason, it's uh, it's getting close to that A-Day, man. We were talking before we started recording. You said you think you're going to play in that flag football game. How's, how's the training going? Well, good morning, everybody, to all my Auburn fans. You know, this is Jason Campbell, better known as Jay Smooth. What up? Um, I tell you what, Taylor, I, I am ready to play. Mm-hmm. And one suggestion. What's that? That no one holds me to a higher standard because <laughs> I have not played football in the last five years so that they give me a little <laughs> bit of slack and leeway if the ball doesn't come out the way it used to. Well, I have high hopes for you in that game, my man. Keep training, working out. I, I feel like you're going to be good. Worst case scenario, you just blame your receivers. You know what I mean? Yeah, worst case scenario, I just trip over somebody <laughs> and say I got a hamstring pulling them out. <laughs> Totally. Oh, man. Well, definitely uh, some excitement building as A-Day is April 11th. The first day of spring practice for the team will be March 16th. So all eyes are are kind of back on this football program. Like we mentioned uh, on the last episode, it felt like downtime, but the downtime only lasts for like 10 minutes for this football program. So, uh, Jason, at this point of the year, though, when, you know, spring practice is like a week away and the spring game is like a month away, what is this time period like for the guys? What are they doing, you know, behind the scenes? Right now, behind the scenes, you know, the guys are probably meeting with the coaches for like 30 minutes a day or at least twice a week for like an hour. Uh, they're going over a lot of film work from last season. They're also going over new plays, especially with Chad Morris being our new offense coordinator there on the mm-hmm. offensive side of the ball. Everything right now is about putting in the new playbook uh, or just adding on to what they already do. Uh, the other part of it is the strength coaches had the kids a lot this time. You're doing a lot of morning workouts, which the coaches are there for that one. Uh, if there's anything like what we used to go to go through is the flipping and the rolling and the bear crawling and, uh, you know, wearing full sweats at 530 in the morning and it's dew on the ground and you pushing each other through it. And that's where the being that's where you are made for the season that is during this time of the year, because uh, guys can't wait to, to get that helmet on and participate in spring ball, because what they're going through right now is probably a lot harder than what spring ball is. Spring ball yeah. is like the. Uh, let's say it's like the dessert that you get after you had your, your four course meal, your four course meal is we're going after it right now. And, uh, mm-hmm. no one wants to get up at four 30 in the morning and get dressed and have to go, 
you know, bear crawl outside in the dew and run hills and everything. But that's part of it. You know, that's part of building building an Auburn man. And then uh, you reach your award is in the springtime. You go out there, you get to hit somebody. And of course, you're yeah. on the same team. But this time of year, we're trying to win position. So it gets very competitive in the spring. Definitely. And I think that that always showcases itself by the time we do get the opportunity to see them in spring. It is very evident who's been putting in the work during this time uh, and who really kind of took a little bit more of a relaxed route. So I think that the stuff behind the scenes is arguably more important. Uh, but a lot of these guys who won't be playing anymore at Auburn but are looking toward their next chapter, hopefully in the league, We talked on the last episode that the combine was happening, so we're going to recap that a little bit. Nine players attended the NFL combine for Auburn in Indianapolis, which marked the program's highest total of players sent in the past 20 years. So says a lot about this program and and the direction that it's headed in. Really, though, a a lot of people were surprised to not see Jeremiah Denson get an invite. And we're going to talk about him uh, when we recap the pro day. But, Jason, why do you think he didn't get the opportunity to go to the Combine, especially when the other starting safety, Daniel Thomas, was invited? Well, it's all about, uh, at the end of the day, let's just be honest. You know, sometimes these coaches and uh, ownerships uh, in the NFL, they pick out the guys that they feel like are within the top you know, 250 or however many they invite to the combine. And at the at the same time, if I'm Jeremiah Denson, it's not a knock on you. You know, there's mm-hmm. many guys I know that didn't go to the combine and got drafted ahead of guys that went to the combine. And right. uh, so for him, he get a chance to just put all his put all his eggs in a basket come pro day and just go out right. there and perform at a high level because this would be his first opportunity in front of the in front of the coaches and the GMs to go out there and show what he can do because you know he is a quick corner you know he is a you know a guy with some athleticism and I think they base it all off the year that they feel like you had and uh, you know for him a lot of his was overshadowed because you know our front seven got so much of the the publicity and, and you know and and our safeties for for coming up and making hits and everything and you just think from a corner standpoint, he had to face some tough guys this year. You know, the right. guy from LSU to those two big time receivers and then Alabama, you know, with a trio of great receivers. So he didn't have any easy task this year, but you know, I think his film will get him an opportunity to get drafted. But his biggest thing he should focus on is pro day and not the combine because that's just uh you know, that's just that's just a party that that you didn't get invited to, but doesn't mean you won't get invited to the next one. That's absolutely true. And and he got asked about it at the pro day, you know, how did it feel to to not get that invite? And he said, you know, it was hard. It It's a part of a dream of a kid who, who's, uh, you know, pursuing a life in sports. You picture yourself at the combine. That seems like a necessary step. It's, it, it's not, like you said, plenty of guys get a shot after not going to the combine, but he did kind of have to, you know, get, get over that and, and make the most of pro day at Auburn, which he certainly did. I also want to get your input on some of these guys that did show out in Indianapolis. Obviously, there was a a lot of expectation that eyes would be on Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson. And of course, that was the case. Uh, Derrick Brown really proved kind of what everyone knows. You want to talk about consistency. I think this guy has really represented that this past season, even into the combine. He is really showing reliability when it comes to his skill sets. With Marlon, though, 
I wanted to get your input on something because uh, there there obviously were a lot of reports and conversations that came from NFL scouts and, and members of coaching staff. This quote from a scout said, the team who drafts him will need to determine how to best utilize him because despite his build, he's most effective when playing outside the tackle. He's athletic enough to work as a base 4-3 end with sub-rush talent. I just want to get your input, knowing what you know about Marlon, but also what you know about the league. Where do you see the most potential for him to be successful at the next level? Yeah, I think uh, I think when you, when you watch Marlon – and then you see Derrick Brown, how they played together at Auburn and everything, you know, how they both fed off each other. I think that's the same thing that Marlon needs to kind of go into the NFL as, you know, finding that right fit, finding that right team. And it's not his decision who drafts him. It's going to be the team's decision. But I think right. teams that are looking at him are going to be teams that are going to be in a 4-3 defense and not a 3-4 defense. And the reason I say 4-3 is because you get the most dominant defensive tackles on the inside and then Marlon with his size and quickness with the way that he is he can play the defensive end position as well but they can also rotate him into a D lineman and D tackle position on third downs and use him as a rusher yeah. to get to the quarterback they don't run downs he can play defensive end so he's very versatile in that in that area where if he was in a 3-4 defense you know, it's hard for him to play nose and then have to be out there at the end as well because then that allows team to be able to double team you and when you sure. have to fight double teams at the next level, you know, that can wear you out. I personally like a 4-3 defense if I'm him um, because mm-hmm. I think it saves him as far as, like, career-wise. In a 34 defense, you have to be like a Derrick Brown. Derrick is so versatile. And everyone saw, like, yeah. this guy was like a bull in the ring when he was doing his drills. And I think he actually helped himself from being, like, a 7 through 10 draft pick probably to the top five now. You think? Yeah, I think he's a five, top five draft pick now because – I think the way he worked and how they got a chance to see this guy move and his quickness and his agile, as big as he is, you know, that's just hard to find. You know, Sue, everyone knows Duncan Sue. Like, he was a guy Mm -hmm. that was was strong and could move the pocket. Derrick is a guy that's strong, can move the pocket, and he can beat you with quickness, which he showed this year when you think about the Florida game, when you think about the LSU game. Um, you know, just his athleticism after getting that pick in the Florida game and then run 40 yards, uh, yeah. you know, after us, you know, those are just plays that you just don't see on an everyday basis. That's very true. I'm going to be real sad if he's top five just for the sake of my Carolina <laughs> Panthers. I really want him in Charlotte, but uh, uh, I totally agree and, and could see him going early. Somebody else who obviously caught a lot of eyes at the combine was Javaris Davis, the cornerback. He ran a 4-4 flat. Mm-hmm. My boy was flying. <laughs> and uh, people said the more they watched him, I think this is another guy who really took full advantage of, of the opportunity to be at the combine. A lot of people said the more they watched him, the more they like him. Obviously, seeing that speed executed, quick feet, uh, good instincts. I, I think people are seeing more potential of ways to utilize him. And same with Noah Igbenogany. A lot of people really hype on him a lot of people expecting him to go first round what are your takes on both of those corners yeah you know Davis I think him running a 4-4 definitely helped himself out big time um, being able to to utilize his speed like you said show his quickness uh, that's one thing yeah you know when you get a chance to get in front of scouts and get a chance to get in front of the GM so one thing you can do to help yourself is show how quick you can react you know not just mm. You know, not just, okay, I'm going to process the information in the classroom, but I also got to do it on the field. But just being thrown in the fire, how quickly can you react to a certain situation by just 
getting out there and performing and, and think this is these guys livelihood. So there's a lot of pressure on them to go out there and to do things at a high level and, and everything. And I think from his aspect, he did a good job of helping himself move up in the draft. And then you think about Noah Igmanagi. This is a guy I've been very intrigued about. He could easily yeah. slip into the first round and early second round, but the guy only been playing corner for the last two years. And that's really not even a full two years because he transitioned during during one year, during the springtime, they he was still playing receiver and a little bit of corner. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. come the offseason, he's playing corner. And then he steps in and he shows his athletic ability and his nose for the football and uh, and everything. And I think that helps him by being able to play on both sides of the ball early in his career at Auburn. I think gave him an opportunity of what to look for when you play the cornerback position. You understand how receivers run their routes. You understand what they're looking for when they come to the line of scrimmage. So since you've been on that side of the ball, it gives you it gives you a little bit of a leeway on what to anticipate. Yeah. So um, I think he's definitely a guy that could easily because he has so much upside, Taylor. And that's the thing about him. No one really knows because his upside is unquestionable. Well, that's what a lot of people were were quoting and talking about, that he has untapped potential. And, and I think that, that that's kind of a double-edged sword because you're sitting here going, okay, I need these people to choose me based on something that they don't feel like they've seen yet, but they just believe is in me. But that's also incredibly beneficial to think these people are looking at him and do not believe that he's reached his peak. And and that's good. A team wants to take on somebody that still has higher to go and a ceiling that they have not attained yet. I think that that's a unique compliment and, and also challenge to be told you have untapped potential at a time like this. Can you showcase enough for a team to take a chance on you early? And I'm I'm excited to see kind of what opportunity presents itself for him and and how the league kind of reaches into that untapped potential and, and what they mold him into. But for all nine of these guys, I, I think they probably walked away from the combine feeling proud of what they did and what they showed. So super proud and excited to see what all of them do. But there were 18 guys that uh, took advantage of Auburn's pro day opportunity. Only nine got an invite to the combine, but 18 had a chance to prove what they can do uh, at Auburn in front of scouts and a couple coaches, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, the head coach of the Lions and the Giants were in attendance in Auburn to watch these guys. Obviously, again, both of these coaches have top five draft picks, so you got to assume they were mostly there looking at Derek. But nonetheless, great opportunity for 18 guys to be in front of, of important people. Talk to me a little bit just about the difference in pro day and combine. First of all, is there a difference in importance? Like, do, does pro day carry less weight than the combine? And, and also... How beneficial is it to have it in your facility, probably a place that these guys are incredibly comfortable with? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Pro Day does, in a lot of ways, carry more weight than the combine because when you're doing your Pro Day, you're in your comfort zone. You know, this is where you study film every day. This is where you practice at. This is where you prepare for games at. And now someone is coming into your backyard. It's just like playing a home game. You know, the opponent comes Mm -hmm. to your backyard. So, when you go to the combine, it's unfamiliar territory. Uh, you know, it's a lot of these guys first time in front of a bunch of GMs and scouts, and, and you're judged on everything that you do from 
you know, how you stand up, how you shake someone's hand uh, from the standpoint of how you answer interview questions. And then you got to stand up in front of a room of 400, 500 people and, and they tell yeah. your weight and size and everything. So, you know, it's definitely totally different. When you get to the pro day, the pro day is all about Sometimes the coaches that take you in the film room, you'll still do some more. You'll still do more board work if they ask for it. But other than that, though, it's pretty much they're out there to watch you. There's one group that's going to run everyone. So there's one team that they that they would that would run the whole pro day, and then other coaches and scouts would stand around. They would watch. I remember when I was there, fans and everything was out there, and it was exciting. It almost it felt like a home game, and uh, yeah. we had people all around the football field, and it it gave us a mojo. Like it gives you energy where in the combine, there's no fans there to give you energy and to give you that right. extra mojo. But pro day, you got it. I want to get your input on a few guys. This one tugs on my heartstrings and I just want to see good things happen for him. Cam Martin. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, I was reading articles that at the pro day, he was very vocal and assertive, which they say that's how he is going up to scouts and and people that were there saying, please, somebody take a chance on me. I know what I can offer a team. I can tell you what kind of heart and commitment I am giving you. I just need the opportunity. And that boldness will get you far in life. The question is, can he match it on the field? He said he wasn't happy with his 40 time, but he did great in the bench press. He has actually been staying in Auburn to do his training, which he said was the best thing he could have done. He has upped all of his numbers in the past three months. And he really, other than his 40, he was really proud of what he did on pro day. But this is a guy that Obviously, he wasn't our go-to running back. Booby Whitlow really, you know, got the forefront of it. But we did utilize him a good bit. I think this past mm-hmm. season, he got time in 12 out of 13 games. So, like, obviously, there there is a lot of faith in this guy. It, it was more an issue of, of his size when you look at him and Booby. But I'm curious about if, if we're looking at the two – basically opportunities that guys have in college football now with the transfer portal. You can stay or you can go. Which one do you think speaks louder? Because on the one hand, yes, you can transfer and probably get more opportunities to show your physical ability. Or if you stay, you're proving your commitment and your hard work. You're not afraid to work hard. You're not afraid of of the risk associated with staying because you are committed to this team and this school, and you believe that you're going to make the most of the opportunity there. Which one do you think speaks louder when you're looking at a guy like Cam Martin? Will anyone hold it against him that he did not transfer and put more on tape? No, I think uh, of anything, I think Cam uh... – you know, honestly, when you look at his situation, I think people look at him and say, man, I respect this kid. And I respect, exactly. what, he, I respect who he is and what he stands for because he's already he's already got a taste of what it's like at the next level. When you're at the next level, you are in a room with four other running backs and everyone's mm-hmm. vying for that, for that time to play and not everyone's going to get all the carries or get a chance to get in the, and get in the game. But that's you know a he's a guy. Point. He's a guy that made most of his opportunities uh, when they presented himself. Um, and like I said, I look at him. You, you know this guy well from being in Carolina, like a Fozzie Whitaker. Um, 
you know, Fozzie was a guy I played with in the pros. He wasn't a big guy. He was a guy about like Cam size, and we utilized him so much in the passing game and so much in, in some of our sweeps in the run game where he was able sure. to utilize his speed that puts pressure on the defense. So it's not all about him just having to run between the tackle. You know, guys like his size, they still add value at the next level because they it, NFL is all about matchups. So if you can put a guy – like him in a one-on-one position on third downs and, and run option routes with him and get him out of the backfield against a linebacker or a safety, you know, it, it speaks well for him because you're depending on that guy to get open. That's what Fozzie is really good at before he got injured. So, you know, there's def- definitely a window there for him, and it speaks of his hunger to go up to each and every scout. You know, guys like that, right. to me, you know, just shows me that they're hungry for more. And they're they're used to having to work through things because nothing was handed to them. You know, Cadillac exactly. speaks highly of this guy um, about his character on the field and off the field. And those are the type of guys I want on my team because I know that this guy's going to work his butt off. And that's exactly what he's done in his Auburn career. And he stuck it out for four years when you said, Taylor, he could have left. And the fact that he didn't yeah. leave shows me that when faced with adversity, He's not going to run. He knows what it's like to stand in the trenches and not just give up, but keep pressing forward. Well said. I completely agree with you. I think that it absolutely says so much about who he is as a teammate and as a person when you look back at his story. No, he doesn't have all the crazy accolades from the conference and breaking all these records, but he was committed to Auburn. He was committed to his team, and he took advantage of the opportunities that did showcase themselves And I think that that says a lot. And I think he's going to benefit a team, whoever will take a chance on him. Okay, a couple more guys that I want your input on. Let's talk Will Hastings. I I think that it's interesting when you look back on him. This is a guy that literally was a walk-on and they tried to get him to do trick kicks. Like they really weren't (laughs) sure what he was going to contribute. He excelled as a wide receiver in high school, but this guy's small. Like that that's the reality of it. But uh, for example, the two coaches that were in attendance at pro day both have a history with the Patriots under Bill Mm. Belichick, who is known for utilizing small shifty slot receivers. So, I mean, there could be something, someone that does see value in Will's skill sets, but what do you think the likelihood is for him as far as, you know, draft or, or practice squad? Like where do you see him getting into the league? If at all? Yeah. Like I said, I love Will Hastings. Um, you know, the guy that had to fight through an ACL injury and, and get back out there on the field and, uh, mm-hmm. and everything shows that, you know, he has fighting him as well. Uh, the tough part of it for him is, you know, size is not something that you can just – you can work hard at it and work hard at it and work hard at it, but you still can't get taller. But, you know, you can right. get stronger but not taller. So, mm-hmm. for him, you did mention the Patriots. You know, if I had to think of a team, I would think someone like the Patriots because of Wes Welker. And uh, and everything that they like to and use, Edelman. and Edelman, Julian Edelman, they like to use in the slot. So it makes it makes a lot of sense. And plus, his boy Stidham is up there. Um, oh, true. That's the other part of it. But the thing is, for him, which bodes well for him now, and a lot of guys, you know, even Cam, uh, it's this this new league, the SFL. Uh, it's kind of taking the league by storm. Um, mm-hmm. they're doing a really good job. A lot of, they're getting a lot of viewers to start to watch. And, and a lot of these guys that you see playing in these games going to have an opportunity now to continue their career and continue to maybe get that opportunity to play on Sunday, because, you know, if, if you show out and, and you, 
and people take notice, you can get called up. So that's the good thing. Instead of just being True. at home and just working out where no one can really see you. And it's just about a draw that somebody call you and say, Hey, we want to give you an opportunity to come on the practice squad. So now you can be on the practice squad, but then you get the opportunity to, to make it as well in the XFL. If all else fail, when it comes to the, the football, the national football league team are the practice squad. So these guys got a lot to keep fighting for, you know, uh, you just never know you, and know, uh, let's go back a few years ago, you know, to our quarterback we had, and uh, he ended up transferring, and now he's uh, John Franklin, and now he's playing on Tampa Bay Bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy, you know, has has found a team. So you just never know. So I wish yeah. you guys the, the best. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. If you know guys like Cam and Will, you know, if if this coming draft season is not what gets them there I do think we could see them play in a situation like that it doesn't mean it's the end of their story sometimes you just have to redirect a little bit uh and then the last one I want to get your opinion on and you're gonna crack up because Mm I I am hard on this guy because I just expected a lot more Sal Canella I wrestle with him a little bit I don't I just he had the makings and I don't understand why he wasn't more of a threat Mm -hmm. uh but I did read that he has put on like 20 pounds and dropped like two percent body fat because they think that he needs to be drafted as a tight end he was utilized mostly as a wide receiver in college and Mm. they think he will be more successful as a tight end where do you think this guy's potential ranks in the league my thing with him is I don't know if he's shown enough up to this point like now we see this size but we don't know Mm. what you can do with it well you took the words right out of my mouth I was just about to say I can see him playing at the tight end position at the next level because tight ends are not what they used to be they used to be you Mm -hmm. put your hands in the dirt you're a blocking guy you may block someone get out in the flats or catch a deep right over the middle or something but now they stretch these guys out they put them two three yards from the tackles and um, they're utilizing option routes they're a big part of the passing game so with his height and his size now putting on 20 more pounds I think it helps him because I don't think from a speed per se you know receiver would have got him to the next level but I think from a speed per se with him being inside at the tight end position I think he can uh, have an opportunity to present himself because he can go up and high point the ball. That's something he does very well is going up and high point the ball. He just has to be mm-hmm. more consistent on his route running, more consistent on catching those balls, you know, over the middle, uh, those exactly. contest, those contested balls where someone's on you. Because in the NFL, someone's always going to be on you. So Always. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to have to learn to catch the ball in, in those in those type of environments with people hanging on to you and everything. So if he could do that and uh, and everything, which that won't present itself until you get to a preseason game or you get to practice. Right. So, you know, that's something that they haven't seen on film yet. So that's something he's going to have to show them moving forward. But from a size standpoint, he has something that Will wish he had, you know, and that's the height and everything. So mm-hmm. Because of that, he may get an opportunity to get looked at, you know, by someone. If he doesn't get drafted, he still will get looked at. So, um, you know, so it's all based on him, what he's going to do when the opportunity presents itself with the tape is on. Uh, he's in practice and someone's hanging on him. Can he make those catches? Yep. I agree with you. Well, those are just a few of the 18 that are hoping and training for that next opportunity. We certainly wish them all the best. I love to see Auburn guys continue to succeed in the league. So uh, we will all await 
the decision of, of where they all move on. Let's talk a little bit of basketball uh, before we move on to our interview. Obviously, the SEC tournament happening in Nashville this week. The Tigers concluded their regular season this past weekend on the road against Tennessee. Got a win with that. They finished the regular season 25-6, and which is the same record as Kentucky, who is the one seed in this conference tournament, and we are the two seed. So Auburn will not play until the quarterfinals on Friday, 7 o'clock Eastern time, uh, but the tournament is officially underway as of today. So let's talk about what this team could potentially do. Obviously hoping to get a second consecutive conference title, but one thing that they have to keep in mind, I'm sure, sure Bruce Pearl is emphasizing, they cannot win it the same way they did last year. The reality is last year's team was one of the best three point shooting teams in the country. This year's team is nothing of the sort, unfortunately. Now they did get it going a little bit more against Tennessee, but they can't think that that's their identity. It's not this year's team. They, this sounds mean, but it's not, they win ugly. And, and I do think that that's very important come postseason. They know how to, you know, lock down, play scrappy and get a win. They are not going to get this title the same way they did last year. Yeah, they. I think they understand that they have to do things a little bit different. Uh, you know, when you think about this basketball team compared to last season, uh, like you said, we don't have the Harper and the Brown to shoot the ball, you know, four or five feet behind a three-point line where it brings defenders mm-hmm. out from under the basket because you have to respect that. You know, this year guys stay back a little bit because they're trying to guard the lanes because they know that we are, we are a team that like to try to slash and get the ball inside. So for us, I think uh, when I look across college basketball, there's not a real dominant team that I'm just like afraid of to play. Yeah. Um, so it opened, this may be one of the most open uh, final, final fours that you're probably going to ever see. Uh, in a long time because no one can really mm-hmm. just handpick who's going to be in the final four because there's not like just dominant teams just dominating everyone. Uh, it's been one of the competitive right. uh, type of basketball season. So I think Auburn, they have a shot. I think they have a shot and that's all you can ask for. And I think if our guards can uh, play at a very high level and uh, and protect the ball and not turn it over uh, in the play in, the, in this tournament and head into the NCAA tournament, I think it gives us a chance. Cause I think we, we we're going to rebound the ball. We do that very well. Uh, it's just, uh, mm-hmm. can we keep pressure on teams and not find ourselves behind? Like we did that a lot right. this year at home and we fought our way back and won games, but now we're not at home. You know, we're in neutral mm-hmm. sites, so we don't need to put ourselves in those deep holes and then try to fight our way up out of it because it just drains you. It takes so much energy, uh, to do that. So, um, I think we're, I think Bruce is ready. I think these guys are ready. Um, like I said, you know, I think the Texas A&M loss woke them up. Uh, I think they, yeah. uh, they, you know, propelled them past Tennessee and I think they gave them like a, a, Hey, you know, let's get it going. I also just think it's so incredible to acknowledge like last season, was so special it it was there was magic associated with last season everybody knows that a historic final four run uh how many incredible players were on that team just everything that last year included you head into this season a lot of your star players are gone you're unsure how you could possibly compete with last season 
And this team wraps up the regular season 25-6 and six, and with a completely different identity. So I just think it's a testament to Bruce Pearl as a coach. Uh, it's a testament to the culture that's been established with this Auburn basketball program that you're not going to have that uh, – that plateau, this, this team, this program, they are still reaching for more. And I I think that's really, really encouraging. Jason, real quick, which guy is your uh, key component to this SEC tournament? Who has to play lights out for Auburn to win? I think it's the guy that made the first team all SEC for us. Uh, I think it's Dowdy. You know, I think he's the guy that's going to have the ball in his hand more than anybody else. So I think uh, when you when you're in that you're almost like the quarterback on the on the football field. You know you're you're dictating the pace of the game. You're dictating, uh, you know, you're dictating, you know, creating turnovers and 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 not creating turnovers and and getting everyone involved and as well, you know, knowing how to make the make the big shots. And I think uh, you know he's a lot of the reason we are 25 and six. And then my 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 second guy would be Okura, the guy that made second team All SEC. Uh, you know, he's a guy we saw, we missed him a whole lot when he was out uh, for those four or five games. And um, he just brings a different element to our basketball team and uh, his speed and size and, and his uh, his shooting ability. People have to respect it. So those are two guys I think that's going to make a huge difference in, in how far we go and, and what we do. Super freaking pumped uh, to see all of this unfold. Very, very hopeful that these guys can get a second title. All right, well, let's bring in our special guest, former linebacker Dontarius Thomas, to talk all about his days on the planes. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys real quickly about Simply Safe. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. You can wait weeks for a technician to do a really obnoxious install that costs a fortune, takes forever. Nobody likes that process. Or you can get Simply Safe, the two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award. Basically, Simply Safe blankets your home in whole safety, outdoor cameras, doorbells alert, entry motion and glass break sensors. You you will have it all. And the special part is you can set up the system all by yourself and it only takes 30 minutes. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police in a moment's notice 24-7. And the best part is this thing is just 50 cents a day and with no contract. So if you're moving or anything changes, you do not have a contract that you have to be stuck to. So basically all you have to do is go to simplysafe.com slash team today and you're going to get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. So really you have nothing to lose with this thing. Go now and be sure to check simplysafe.com slash team. Once again, simplysafe.com slash team. All right, everybody, let's get to the good stuff. We are so excited to be joined by former Auburn linebacker, second round draft pick by the Minnesota Vikings. Everyone welcome, Dartarius Thomas. Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. I appreciate you all for having me on. Don Terrius, I, I got to ask, the same way I start off with all of our guests is to have you reminisce a little bit on your playing days at Auburn and, and just tell us a story that really stands out to you, maybe a, a special memory or a game that uh, really had had a mark on you. Um, when I think about Auburn and I think about, you know, my, my football career, the first game, you know, being from Georgia, let me go back, being from Georgia, not highly recruited. Um, I was able to get an opportunity to play for Auburn. 
Coach Hootenall came to my school and was able to bring me in, um, and I was able to get a scholarship. So, you know, growing up in Georgia, you know, and my cousin, Jermaine Phillips, who played at Georgia, uh, I kind of wanted to go to Georgia. So the fact that they didn't recruit me, you know, gave me a big chip on my shoulder. And then also the fact that some of the things they had to say negative about my my skills, um, you know, added to that chip on my shoulder. So the first game I had marked on my calendar, it wasn't Alabama, it was UGA. I wanted to make hmm. sure um, to let them know that, you know, that they made a mistake. So I can remember the first first play that I was able to get in on the um, defense. And they did like a, a, a zone toss to the sideline. And I come over and I just rock and running back. And I remember looking at Coach Dunn and I looked at him and I and I, I kind of gave him a few choice words and I'm not going to say it on air, but I gave him a few choice <laughs> words to let him know that who made him mistake and that I was going to be, I was going to make sure they, they pay for, you know, for what they said about me. But, um, it was a great experience. You know, I got a chance, you know, coming into Auburn right away, you know, um, being paired with some guys who were high recruits and some guys who wasn't high recruits such as myself. But at the end of the day, working hard and working together, it became a family. And yeah. we all had each other back. And that's what I cherish about Auburn. And still to this day, we're still close. We have uh, some of my teammates, or well, a lot of my teammates, former teammates, we still text and talk. Um, whenever we go back to the plans, it's just like old times, you know, and just catching up. So it it was a great feeling of getting out there and being out there on the battlefield, on that plan field together, and and trying to get the common goal of winning. And we won a lot of games, and um, we had some hard breaks, but at the end of the day, um, when I left with Auburn, not only did I leave with my degree, but I left with some brothers and some close, some close guys I know I can always count on. DT was a second-round draft pick. When you think about guys coming out this year with Marlon and Derek, but those are not the guys I want to talk about because those are the guys that we know are going to get drafted. When you think about a guy like Cam Martin that played running back, we talked about it earlier, Taylor and myself did. Uh, when you think about a Cam Martin, you think about guys that that didn't get a chance to go to the combine, but also now getting a chance to have a pro day. But we play with Roger Hood. Roger Hood didn't get invited to the combine, didn't – he performed at the pro day, didn't get drafted, but at the same time played for the Philadelphia Eagles for years uh, and played for the Arizona Cardinals and had a long stint in the NFL and actually played in the Super Bowl. So what would you give these guys advice about, like, in this process and how was it for you? Uh, I would tell the guys that, you know, if this is something you're passionate about you want, the NFL teams will find you. Uh, when you get out on that field, uh, every chance or opportunity that you get, um, take advantage of it and make a make that like they say that's a flash play. Try to set yourself aside. I mean, there are plenty of people who go to the combine that don't get drafted. Just because you go to the combine and have all these accolades, you don't necessarily mean you'll get drafted. So a guy such as Roger Hood you know, is a perfect example of someone who came in. He wasn't on scholarship is what people don't know about. He wasn't offered a scholarship the first year. Worked his way on the team. Played his first year as a true freshman. Earned a scholarship. Then went to the league. Wasn't invited to the combine, like you said. Uh, wasn't drafted. Got on the team. 
and excel that way and took the, took the long road. You know, sometimes everybody passes a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. So stay humble. Um, stay, stay, stick to the process. Don't get discouraged because at the end of the day, it is a business. So you got to look at how ways to get in there and, and take advantage of every opportunity that you get. Um, like they say, a closed mouth don't get fed. So mm-hmm. get in there, pick their brains, learn as much as you can, get it, get it very detail oriented as as possible when it comes to the playbook. That's really great advice. I think DT has done a great job and a testament to all the guys that that play at Auburn because. You know, it's not so much what you do when you're playing football. Let's face it. You know, not everyone's going to make it to the National Football League. Not everyone's going to play more than three or four years. That's the average is three years. And you get the opportunity to. It's a blessing. But at the same time, you're done pretty much in your 30s. So what are you going to do with the rest of your life that God is is, is giving you? And, uh, and I think DT has gotten out into the entrepreneurship and, uh, you know, he has two restaurants, Taylor and, and Auburn, that he's part owner with and uh, at the Guthrie's and Voodoo Wings. And he's about to open up another one. And I just think guys need to hear from him as far as, like, how did you get into the entrepreneurship when you finished playing football? For me, it um, I always knew that, you know, football, um, I was fortunate, I would say I was fortunate to have a cousin, Jermaine Phillips. He was someone um, that I was talking about earlier that played in Georgia. He ended up getting drafted late, and in the fifth, he got dropped in the fifth round. And as you know, fifth rounders are subject to be released or whatever. But you know, fortunate for him, he was able to. He made the team. Actually, got a Super Bowl ring his rookie year with Tampa Bay. And um, so he was one of my, you know, I guess you could say mentors, and telling me, you know, be smart. I mean, this football don't last for long. So when you get an opportunity, you know, look for other venues or trying to set yourself up for after life, after football. Investing your money, not necessarily just in taking all your money and investing in the stock market and things of that nature, but also investing in other things like, you know, diversify your portfolio. The main thing that helped me get out and try to branch out and look at other avenues were one, because I had a cousin who played in the league and who was always telling me like, hey, be smart with your money, invest, do other things. Two, I had a frat brother who was my financial guy who was very influential on being diversifying my portfolio, networking and looking out and branching out because this thing won't last for long. And three, just being in the NFL and seeing how the business works and that you know you could be there one day and gone to death. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those conversations are so important for these guys to have. It it can't just be about getting the money. You got to talk about what you're going to do with that money. And having the right people in your corner is incredibly important. My last question for you is actually about this uh, current Auburn football program, specifically the defense. Uh, Over the past few years, the the culture surrounding this Auburn defense and playing physical and uh, consistent defense has really been established. So I want to get your opinion on two guys uh, obviously Kevin Steele and, and just the impact that he has had there and the impact he's had on that defense. And then also Travis Williams and how he has been, you know, molding those linebackers and, and the impact that you've seen him have on that group. Yes, um, definitely, you're definitely right. I remember, uh, I'm going to take it back when Kevin Steele was, was not there and our defense was on the body and just not the defense that, you know, me, Jason Campbell, and our class group and people before us, the Keo Spikes, were not accustomed to it. 
And, yep. you know, it was, one of those, it was hard. And it's one of those things that, you know, we were looking for, like, what's our identity? And Auburn, to me, was identity was always that defense. And Jay Camp may, you know, disagree, but it was always defense first and then offense. You know, they come in to do their nothing or whatever. But um, getting Kevin Fields was, was, you know, really key and important. Uh, he came in and brought that mentality back up and hard notes, physical and tough. And, you know, being stingy on the point and not giving up anything and covering every blade of grass. And um, he's done a great job of um, getting some guys into the system, his players into the system, and doing a good job recruiting, recruiting some good players. And not only recruiting them, but they're coaching. Because you can recruit good players, but if you don't coach them and teach them the right technique and fundamentals of the game, it don't mean nothing. Um, you still have the same lackluster. And if you can't get the uh, full effort out of those guys and get the, you know, the full capability of those guys, man, you're not doing a good job as a coach. And But that's something he has done. He has done um, a great job, like I said, of instilling that, that sense of urgency, um, being hard-nosed and being tough and being that prideful defense of saying, like, hey, if, if it ain't done on offense, we as a defensive um, unit can win. Um, now, as far as Travis Williams, now Travis Williams comes from, I say from a um, generational um, background from Coach Witt. Now, Coach Witt was old school. Well, I mean, we may not be the best pass cover. Uh, we may not have no, done that as well. But I tell you one thing we was going to do, running backs was going to remember that Auburn linebackers during his time were physical and were hard-nosed and would come hit you in the mouth. We were, yeah. we were not going to back down. We were not going to give up. And that's what Travis Williams had to build into the linebackers of now. Before Travis Williams got there, like, we really didn't have many, many linebackers that were flashing and standing out. And now we have a consistency of linebackers, four groups that are actually doing a really good job and holding it down and being the leader of the defense. And that's something that he's had taken that, taken that group of guys and shown them the way. Travis has done a great job of bringing in some talent, but also molding that talent to be the leaders of that defense and to take control and to go out and be play Auburn football like we know Auburn football defense is to be. We definitely appreciate you coming on. Uh, Taylor, appreciate it. And, uh, hey, man, keep doing what you do. And, uh, you know, sky's the limit. Hey, I appreciate you all having me. It's been a pleasure being on. And like always, War Eagle, and great to hear from you, Jay Cam. Uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you down there playing soon enough, man. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for us this week on Tiger Talk. Thank you so much for listening as Jason and I break down all things Auburn. Everybody, be sure and watch that SEC basketball tournament this weekend. Pull our boys to a big victory. Spring practice starts in about a week. It's a really exciting time, as always, down on the play. And so be sure you subscribe to us here on Tiger Talk so you don't miss an episode. Jason and I certainly appreciate all of you listening. And as always, War Eagle. War Eagle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.